Welcome to Three Song Stories, the podcast that leverages the bonds created between music and memory to create bonds between our guests and you. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike Canary. Our guest this episode is Layla Mazdagi. Layla is an Iranian-Colombian artist who lives in Fort Myers, Florida. She was born in New York City, but raised in Tehran, Iran, before moving back to the U.S. after graduating from Tehran's Islamic Azad University Law School in 2000. After moving to Florida in 2005 and practicing real estate for nine years, she took a temporary break from her business to take art classes at the former Edison State College, what's now Florida Southwestern. That's where she met artist and professor Dana Rose, and that was a major turning point in her life. It's when she decided to academically pursue her longtime passion for the arts, earning a Bachelor's of Arts from Florida Gulf Coast University in 2016. Then in 2017, Layla joined the Rauschenberg Residency on Captiva Island as a full-time staff member. Layla says in her art practice, she's interested in relationships and human emotions. She's in a band called Layla M. and the Tired of Triangles. Her bio ends with this quote about herself. As predictable as she thinks she is, no one can predict what her next work will be, end quote. So let's see what happens next then. Hey there, Layla. How's it going? Hi, great. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to have you here. I was saying before the show, you've been on our list since the very beginning. So here we go. What is the earliest musical memory that you can recall? Well, as I as I mentioned, I moved to Iran when I was moved back to Iran um, when I was. Okay, we have a backtrack. I moved to Iran with my family in the early seventies, uh, and then right away we had the the war and the Islamic Revolution. Right. So music was banned. Western music was banned for twenty years. What age would you have been when that uh, when the revolution happened? I was t- two. Okay. Yeah. So we inherited a lot of music at home the cassettes and the records and all that that my aunt had and everything that was already available. So I grew up just listening to these records. They were really like probably from the 50s, 60s, 60s and 70s. And my aunt had a VHS um, Eurovision show with all this, you know, European contests. Right, right. And they were American and from all around the world. So I used to watch that VHS over and over. Whenever. Was this in Iran after the revolution? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this you just had to do it at home and be quiet about it? Well, we all had it because people had stuff they already had. Then the revolution happened, so they just are using and recycling what they already had. Gotcha. Then if you had someone abroad or out of the country, people would smuggle music, mm-hmm. and then we would just copy it off each other. Like when it came to movies, the same thing. We used to have a film guy illegally. He would just come uh, to our the house. The film guy. He would open his briefcase. These are action. These are the horror. Would these those are the... Been those how, the, like VHS cassettes, I yes. guess? Huh. And then he would not show up for a couple of weeks. We know he got arrested or something. Then a cousin or someone else would show up. And huh. Can you so, think of any of the songs that would have been played you know, during that time like in particular? Um, oh, on songs that were playing at the radio. Uh, no, the I mean or... that you guys were playing at the house. At the house, yeah. Um, I listen to a lot of Bonnie M. Do you know Bonnie M.? No. No. They're coming to Miami, I nodded actually. like I do, they're but I coming, don't. <laughs> they're coming to Miami, actually, so I'm going to go see them in December, I think. Um, a lot of that. Um, um, let me see. A lot of traditional Persian at home as okay. well. Okay, yeah, yeah. Or um, the earlier pop Persian songs. But any particular song you're mentioning? Yeah, just something you might have a memory of yeah. floating through the house. It's that one-way sick, uh, ticket song that... Uh, oh, yeah? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is from well, that era, actually. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. So give us the timeline here. You were born in, in New York City. Were your parents here for... Why were... You know, how did, how did that break down the, the when was right. where and why? Yeah, so my mom had moved to New York from Colombia okay. when she was 17-ish, 18-ish. And my father was there also since his 20s okay working and living and just new york life and he's really proud of it and he he lived it really well um <laughs> so he had um 
well, it's not about his life. So, <laughs> so they they get married in New York. I was born. My brother was born right away. My dad said, "I have my family. I have everything I want, and I want to move back to Iran and raise my family." Did he with come my to the family. United States to to put that that family together, or did no, just once it worked out, he wanted to go back? Where he, he was had roots. done. He said, "I I." I did what I want to do, and I work now. I have my family. I want to be home. So he was a stay-home dad. Oh, okay. Yes. He just wants to be home with his family. And that, and he told my mom, well, we go to Iran. If you don't like it, we can move. And my mom always says as a joke that he never asked me if I like it or not. But my mom really loved it. Yeah. So there was, we had a good life. Like, we had family, grandparents, aunts, uncle, all living in the same building. So we were, well... And that's what he wanted to give us, a sense of family. Hmm. Was there uh, music being played around you when you were young? Um, not uh, Like on instruments, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My aunt used to play the, uh, the accordion and the piano. Really? So I learned how to play the piano with my aunt. So we have these duets, these songs I've played together. Um, but they're Iranian, like, yeah, Iranian songs right, right. at the time. And, um, Did you ever play any instruments? Yeah, I played the I played the sitar actually when I was younger, actually more really? in my teens. Yeah, um, I didn't get too far with it, but my second song, which is Motor Mahda Brew, that was where I started actually liking this instrument called tambour. It's a Kurdish string instrument, mm. so now I play that. Oh, really? Yes. Still to this day. Well, I started, is that what you play in the in I hate triangles or what? What was it? Uh, yeah, tired of Layla and I'm tired of triangles. Yes, tired of triangles. Sorry, it's not hating. Yeah, <laughs> but that's is that the instrument? That you is play? The so instrument. what is to describe this instrument then? Okay, so it's a string um, instrument, and you play it something between is something between string and percussion. Okay, so you will hear these beats and rhythm, and it's a it's an old like five thousand year old Kurdish instrument that. At the plays in Kurdistan and borders of Iran and Iraq, mm-hmm. and uh, Sufis play it. So it becomes a very um, spiritual, ritualistic type of instrument mm-hmm. that you don't drink and dance and party with this instrument. It's more to get in these mantras. and Okay, uh, okay. it's more like ceremonial. Yeah, almost. ceremonial and precious. And my, one of my earlier teachers would say when, when you, you, you pick up your instrument, you give it a little kiss, hmm. then you start playing. So it's respected. Then it was banned throughout the years, and I mean, not now, years ago. Like then they had to play it in the mountains and kind of like save it. So there are no written books or notes on this instrument. Oh wow! It's only thought through a master to a student, and this is how I could become a master, maybe, and then pass that along. Who so. was your teacher? Yeah, so I bought this instrument about maybe 10 years ago. I was like, I really want to get to it. I would take some lessons in Tehran, come back. I lose it because, you know, it's a beginner, need a lot of guidance. Yeah. So I come, I Google around. I found uh, a master actually in Manhattan, New York, um, Amir Vahab. So he has a, he, he plays music and he is, um, it's a big deal, you know, in, mm. in, in a lot of instruments. So I emailed him and I said, uh, this is Leila, da, da, da. And um, I'm really passionately w- want to learn this instrument. And do you do any, do you have to t- give lessons anywhere on my coast because I'm down here? He said, well, no, they're all in person, but I come down to Miami for concerts sometimes. I can give you private lessons in a hotel. Hmm. I'm like, yeah, but <laughs> I was like, it's a little bit weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've just gone from, can I hire you to let's meet in a hotel? <laughs> Then, yeah, I was like, ah, no, I need someone, like, every day. I need to practice yeah. every week. I need my lesson, you know? Yeah. So then I said, okay, so what are your fees <laughs> for a private lesson? Like, I never heard back. Uh-huh. And I was, like, eh, I find that question. I'm like, what happened? I did not get the culture of it. What did I do wrong? I didn't right. hear from him. Seven years later. He responds to that email <laughs> <laughs> that, hi, Leila, um, this is one who, um, can I call you? Um, I'm like, sure. So I was going through my emails. I realized I never responded. So he calls me. We laugh about it. And he's like, I'm on a t- I'm tour um, in Italy. And I had all this extra time. So I went to my email and just was going to old emails and cleaning up. I came across yours. Yes, I can do Skype lessons. Oh. So two years ago, I started with him taking uh, lessons online, 
And then I did it twice a week. I'm like, you know what? We need to fast forward this thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and now you feel like, I mean, you can play it? You... Now I'm doing well. But the thing is that he, something that he said about this instrument, he said, this is the instrument of the soul. And your soul had to be ready. I mean, it's an, a joke, you know, we use it but here to like... Understood, but understood. Yeah, so, but your soul, your soul prepping for it. And I'm so like, he may have known better by losing your email because you weren't ready for it or something like that. Yeah. Then now I have another teacher in Iran uh-huh. um, through an institution actually in Canada. They teach Persian music, Rhythmitica. And um, so he's the one who's pushing me to the next level. So I've been with him for one year. Um, so I'm at two and a half years into it. I'm feeling that I want to start performing little venues, wow. maybe okay. five, ten people that I don't mess up because I'll mess up. Are you? Are you? Do you perform with someone else in your band, or is it just? Yes, you? my band is me and Dave Andre. He's a friend of mine in um, Nokomis, up in Sarasota. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And um, when we met initially, I was so excited about my instrument. I said, you know what? I want to be in a band. Like that's like one of my life things. I want to be in a band someday. Yeah, yeah. So. And he's a filmmaker. Initially, I wanted to make a little film for a short film, but I wasn't good enough. He's like, well, I'll make music with you. I'm like, sure. <laughs> we came, just played. He would record me, and he made the music, basically. See, but then he I created see. a band. So, but Okay. Yeah, yeah. I had a brief-lived band that was kind of like that called Vegan Mosquito. <laughs> we, were, we had ukuleles and cellos. And anyway. died from hunger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, okay, let's go on to your first song. Uh, you alluded to it earlier. What is it? Um, one-way ticket. Okay. Do you want to tell a story about it and then we'll hear it, or do you want to listen and then talk? Well, let's listen first. Okay. Well, let's listen to it. This is called One-Way Ticket. It's by a band called Eruption from their 1978 album Leave a Light. And the, the cadence of it kind of sounds like a train. Yeah, the choo-choo train and <laughs> yeah. all, yes. So what, where does that talk, song take you back to? That song just gives me this extreme joy. I want to get up and dance. And I don't remember, I don't have really memories. I mean, I'm, I think I've blocked out a lot. Okay. Um, but I've, I remember feelings. Mm-hmm. And... This would make me happy. Not understanding the lyrics that well. Right, right. Because I grew up speaking English, then dropping English, going all Farsi with my mother and everybody, and then reintroduced to English later on when I moved back to the U.S. Gotcha. So later on, when I listened to the lyrics, I mean, this was great for me, actually, the opportunity to go back and review these songs. Right. Because like, it was, I've been scanning my life and going back and... It was hard for me to pick up. Yeah, it's something. like it's it, yeah forces you to be self-reflective in a deeper way, right? Yes, and this came to me recently. I mean, I've been listening to it. I think about it, but I was thinking of more like revolutionary songs that were playing during my time because right. everything was illegal. Like from TV or radio, we're hearing this anti-America, anti-war, actually go to the war, die for a country type of songs, which I really appreciate. But in all that. This would be something that would lift me up. Mm-hmm. And later on, the lyrics actually also then 
resonated because I think we also feel Certainly, something, yeah, you know, absolutely. that you want to get out. And I was talking to friends, like, you know what? Everybody wants to get out at that point where you're in war and in such a distress. So the parents or whoever were playing this, the older people who did speak English, they knew what it was saying, right? Some knew English, some didn't. Or some but, did. But I would say yes. Some, some grown up somewhere was no, aware they, uh, of what this song oh, absolutely. was saying. Oh, Abso- yeah, yeah. yeah, my parents did. Yeah, everyone sure. around me did. Yeah. Huh. But it was something I would play to listen, and that video, like, rewinding it. and Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The video? Do you remember that video? Because the, the link you sent me had the sort of the video. Yes, I remember it. the video. <laughs> I want to dance like the video. <laughs> um, let's talk just a little bit about the, the ban on music. How seriously was that taken? I mean, it sounds like at home, you, you pretty much with impunity, they were playing whatever they wanted. Was it just a public thing? The public music? Yeah. Okay. That's how I just want to know how that band worked during that time because you talk about band, as if yeah. you guys were listening to music that, it, that you wanted to. Yes. So radio, TV, anything public, and everything was public. We had two TV channels and a couple of radio channels that we would listen to. They would only play traditional Persian music, mm-hmm. very traditional, with any suggestions of joy and dancing. Right. And everything else was a new music empowering us to bear with this and fight with this and that we are in fault. Right. So it was everywhere in school. Sort of propaganda. It was, yeah, like North Korea probably and Soviet okay. Union times. And, right. Um, so in school, early morning, we would sing one of these and wrists would go up and we would all like, or there would be an American flag in front of our school painted every year the thousand kids would walk over it every day so and I had conflict feelings but I was mostly like because I knew I don't know much but I knew that hi I'm American too and yeah but it was nothing that I would take <clears throat> personal I feel attacked right because everyone around everything was filled with respect and understanding so there was and I- Iranians actually in that day, they have a culture of being very kind to foreign people. Like, let's say, so opposite of here. But my mom, as a foreign woman in Iran, Colombia, and the second even the government would, like, try to bother her, and they would realize she's not Iranian, they would apologize and say, I hope, we hope you enjoy your stay. We oh, hope wow, wow. So she was, yeah. Kind of gave her a freedom, in a sense. Yes, but she still had to be respectful to the sure, laws and sure. everything. But, yeah. Hmm. So how long did you live in Iran before you came here again? Until 2000. So you were there all the way until 2000? Yeah, but we, we traveled a couple of times in between maybe 1990. That was a big one. We went to Colombia and to the U.S. And, um, but mostly it was Iran. So you went to law school. Yes. Did you intend to be a lawyer in Iran? Did you want to come to the United States? What? Let's explore that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that's, that's, that's very important, actually, <laughs> because I never wanted to be a lawyer, and I never wanted to study law. And is that because I wanted to be an artist? So I was not very aggressive. You know, I'm like really not – I don't do competition well. So it was a very competitive environment to actually go to uh, high school for, for – um, for arts. Mm-hmm. It was like one, good one, and almost one, and then everything else. So I, I studied science in high school. I'm like, you know what, when it comes to university time, I will take that test, and I jump, jump ships. That was my plan. So for year four at private school, they're trying to get all their students in top schools, medical, engineering, and law, you know, and I get to my counselor, who's writing out this we take a test in, in Iran once a year, and you have to score well, and then you get in. It's not that I want to go to this school, I sign right. up. You take a test, then they place you. It's nat- national test. You say where you want to go, your three choices specifically. You get in, you don't. And it's like the whole country goes on a shutdown, and we all take the test together. Huh. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to prepare for that. So I go to my counselor, getting ready for this one-year studying to get in the university of my choice. Okay, Laila, where, where, what? I'm like, uh, art, Tehran University. What? Listen, you can be a heart surgeon and be an artist. You can be this and be an artist. Who do you think paints these illustrations in these medical illustration books? Right there, I didn't know what art really was. I know I had a passion for it, but I'm like, huh, can you sit down and paint every day? I'm like, no. I was painting. That's all I was doing. You know, so I'm like, no, I cannot sit down in a studio and paint all day and be a painter. You're right. You're right. So I was really convinced because I'm trusting him yeah. that he's pulling the best and best in bits. He had best intentions. And he's like, just me listening or not. I'm like, OK, OK, OK. Well, he's like, OK, fast. I have, I have customers after you. <laughs> I'm like, oh, uh, I'll be a dentist. 
oh, great, great. I'm like, no, 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 I cannot see blood. I cannot look into, I cannot do all this. So I had a giant crush on someone. And they were going to law school? He was my <laughs> sweetheart in high school, my, one-sided, my to him. We're still best friends. I mean, we talk every week. So we're like really close now, 20 years later, though. He wanted to be a lawyer. And I'm like, you know what? this. That's okay. What I, <laughs> I'm not going to do what I want to do. I'm just going to be someone. I'm going to enjoy myself. I'm like, if he's coming there, I'm going to maybe, you know, whatever. That's how I decided to go to law school. I'm like, okay, law, amazing. The best choices. It's even better than this and that. Blah, blah, blah. Well, let's put Tehran, this and that. If you don't get here, we get close to home. I'm, like, I'm not going to travel to anywhere far for this that I don't love. Um, our school will go anywhere. But this one, around the corner. So we get North Tehran. Um, it was hard to get in. I'm not saying it wasn't, but I still had to get in. Yeah, but you um, did. I did. He never did. <laughs> <laughs> and then my school became all-girls school. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> so you graduate with a degree, and then how do you end up coming here? Yeah, so yeah, so I, I really did the bare minimum to get through law school. Okay. I mean, I got by. I really didn't care that much. Um, so I did a lot of art. So I was painting, painting, painting. I was like, it, it's okay. I'm not going to give up because I really, really had to work hard to get in it. And hey, it was easier for me to finish it than kind of actually drop out. Yeah. Um, so I went with it. And the last years, my life just got complicated, you know, young, falling in love. I mean, wanting to get married. I had this, I was engaged and it blew up really bad and my dad is like you're getting out of here no way this and for, for good I'm glad he did you know so nothing there but like that's how I left the country oh. three days one way ticket <laughs> to the US so I had to pack my stuff like in in two or three days in a, and I just came one way and came where? to California my aunt was there my brother was okay. there and then I very soon I couldn't wait to get away so I from them? I just wanted to be free and be on my own. And I feel gotcha. like all my life I was being like so controlled. And I was like so controlled. I right. mean, everything was illegal. Everything is bad. Like I just was, f how, however I was feeling, I'm like, I just couldn't wait to get out. So I go to San Diego. And that's when I started taking art classes again, starting fresh. Um, then that's the story up to there. <laughs> so how'd you wind up in Fort Myers? Yeah. So in San Diego, I had a baby. And um, I was about, I, we split up really early on. So my son was six weeks old when I moved to Florida because my mom was here. And oh, so your mom like, had moved here. She was here already from years ago. They divorced uh, oh, in late okay. 90s. So gotcha. my mom moved here. So my brother stayed with my mom. So this was time I'm like, she's like, yeah, come here. This is not good. I'm like, yeah, thank you. Okay, I'm coming. So I moved with my baby. Um in 2003 okay. to Orlando. I was there and then I wanted to move back to Iran. I just, to, to this day, I still want to go back to Iran. I mean, I never wanted to be here the first place. And the reason I'm here is because I was born here. <laughs> so, your ultimate, so your ultimate goal is to move back to Iran? Um, I, I, if the beautiful scenario, everything is good, everyone is a good place, and I am, you know, who knows? I, I would. My dream is to live there. But when I, Iran does not honor, um, okay, let's say Iranian doesn't, how do I put this? Okay, if you're born, you're Iranian, only if you're born of an Iranian man. That's it. So my son's father is not Iranian. So, so he's not Iranian. So your son is not Iranian. No, he's American. So I'm, I have dual citizenship. But I go there with him when he was one. I got. I said, you know what? I'm gonna take the bar. My friends are all lawyers, and they're. I mean, later on, I could see myself in it. I could see myself now, but I'm done with it. But I'm saying like it's something that. But I didn't go towards it with passion. Right. So I'm like, you know, this. Why not? I moved to Iran. I take the bar, and I'm gonna be practicing here. Everything is. Everybody is doing great, and I love that. I love to be there. So I didn't know that there were such restrictions. I wait for a month, uh, three months. Then they said I had to renew his visa. Then every three months I had to renew his visa. Mm. Then they said, okay, you cannot do it. Re you cannot renew it after three times. So you got to leave the country and come back. I'm like, whoa, for how long? Oh, this is it. Um, so I'm like, I cannot do that. Wow. So 
I bought a house um, with the help of my family down in Fort Myers pre-construction. And my aunt said, well, I'll pay your mortgage for a year, go to Iran, see if you can make it, if you like it, if you don't like it. One year later, if you don't like it, you're going to be in the same place. So that was a very good offer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I stayed. <laughs> it was better for me to stay, actually, and don't worry about my finances and my mortgage, actually. So I moved to Fort Myers with my son with a suitcase. And then she sent me a car. Hmm. And then I was here. What do I do now? I got into real estate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, let's get to your second song. Yeah. And then we'll figure out how you connected with Dana Rose in a little bit. Yes. Uh, so what is your second song? My second song is called Motrebe Mahtab Ru by Shahram Naziri. And these are my first memories of listening to Persian music with tambour in it. So Kurdish, uh, it's a Persian song, not Persian, it's Kurdish Iranian okay. music. And back to the crush that got me to law school, we used right. to listen to this together. And that was, um, yeah. And so um, uh, this song fits where into the culture? In the culture, what's legal to begin with, okay. and was played, and um, so this would have been one of the songs that could have been played. Oh yeah, it was. It was airways. played. Uh-huh. It was. It was. It was. And concerts. I mean, there's still concerts and everything going on, but they're all very limited. Moderated by what can be exactly. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I listened to this, and even I was so into it, and it would again give me that joy that the first song would give me, fill me with this passion inside that wants to break, you know, and that's something that we don't. I don't know where. I think we can only maybe experience those feelings when we have this freedom, like when we're breaking free. And this song does that to me, and I think in a spiritual level. Mm-hmm. So it's an ecstasy, like you just go there. But it's a long song again, but here's where the word starts. Okay. Um, and I used to ski with this song, let's ski? say. Ski? Yeah. Like snow ski? Yeah. Like people would have techno and all that, and I used to have Sharam Nazari in my ear, and it would make fun of me. Where would you have been skiing? In Tehran. Okay, let's say. I didn't know they had skiing. Oh, uh, no, we have camels by your house. We put our skis on our camels. I'm no, kidding. <laughs> so, yeah, 20, not 20, 40 from our house in North Tehran, about an hour. Okay. There is a piece, and I grow up from six years old until I left Tehran. Every winter, we would ski for three months every Friday. Well, let's imagine you skiing in Tehran. And listen to this song. song. Yes. That's what I want to imagine. Okay, we're going to pick up in the middle of this song. It's about 17 minutes long. We're going to start about halfway through. Uh, Give us the name one more time. Motrebe Mahtabru. All right, let's hear it. So how often do you listen to that, or when would have the last time you would have listened to that been? Oh, I listen to it often. Oh, so you do I listen do. to that often. It lived with me, yeah. Um, that's that's the reason why I wanted to learn how to play this instrument, oh. which I'm not in. Not and that was, we were hearing that toward the end there, right? Yeah, were... the whole time they were playing the instrument, the tambour, yeah. Um, it's daf and tambour. Daf is an um, air drum, but yeah, this is what I wanted. And um, yeah. What's going on in that song? It's really complicated <laughs> <laughs> to, to, to talk about the Persian poetry, to translate in English. I don't think I have those, that's the skills to actually uh, talk about the, the lyrics. But it's about 
getting drunk, but we're talking spiritual drunk, right? Mm-hmm. Getting drunk and drink and get to a point where you <laughs> probably hallucinate mm-hmm. <laughs> or you see and you're asking the beloved, drink and tell me what you've seen or explain what you've seen, tell, share your wisdom and very mystical, spiritual. I don't really have the word for it. I'm sure there, there's a word I didn't research <laughs> to have the proper word, but um, yeah. Actually, listen to it long from the beginning that this whole instrument for six minutes and you kind of go in trance. Yeah, right. So that whole, that whole prelude that we didn't listen to is sort of to put you in that state. Yeah, that's right. Gets you in that state that you're now worshiping, you know, ah. admiring and worshiping. Hmm. But not clear who and what is between you and your lover. It's interesting that you said that that would have been a song that would have been played even despite the ban, even if it's not explicitly... It's talking about love you know, to God. It's talking about yeah. love to your country. It could be love about yeah. your your your. Uh, your it lover. seems like it leaves it somewhat open to interpretation. Yeah, you can still enjoy. Your heart will feel it. Huh. It's a music for the heart. It, it strokes the strings of your heart. Hmm. And so you can be sad with it. Do you play along to it now that you're learning? Not yet. This is not in my level. But <laughs> you don't I, even I try could get when there. nobody's looking? No, I don't try. <laughs> I have a teacher like uh, actually Ostad uh, Masoud Arzan Lu. I really wanted to mention him name because he has been breaking me. Every session we're pushing it to the next level. Cool. And um, I told him I want to sing, but I want to sing not for anyone to enjoy my voice. I want to sing to enjoy myself singing. Mm. And that's when you sing with an instrument like this. Mm-hmm. I don't need audience. I kind of like, you know, just... You're singing to sing, not so someone can hear you sing. Yes, but I'm going to enjoy it, but I'm still going to sing in tune. So we're now I started last week singing along um, playing, huh. which I couldn't do it. But now he's still like, which, which count? We don't have notes or nothing. He was at finger three. One stroke, left, right, left, right. So we, I know the stroke. So it just it has to be explained how to play each music. And now with the singing, it has to be explained like which beat number you want to come in and count. And huh. it's it's a more you feel it. Yeah. Um, do you listen to music while you're making art? Is that part of your artistic process? Because I know also you have a performative side to your artwork yeah. where there is music involved. But in terms of just if you're going to sit there and work on a painting or something like that, do you have music playing? And if so, do you choose it in order to inspire you somehow? Hmm. I paint almost every day, but very little. So my painting is more like flirting with my painting. <laughs> it's like, hey, you know, like having a plant, talking to it. I'd rather have a painting than a plant because I'll kill the plant. But this one, I just like, touch it a little bit. I talk to it. Huh. And it's, it's, it's just something I do again for myself. It's like a daily conversation with the painting so I wouldn't get into a whole painting session as I'm walking I'm like ah you feel like you need some this or I feel like you need some that but it's not again about that it's just how I'm feeling so I document stuff like that when it comes to painting so I cannot listen and be under influence of anything when I want to paint it's just me and my thoughts Um, but I have had like Sharon Nazari had a song that was so like um, repetitive, that I like that. Then I just started writing. So I would maybe act with it or play with it while, but not not really. Hmm. Yeah. How did the uh, Rauschenberg gig come around? Yes. So highlight of my day every day. Um, when I was, I was an intern, actually. I was their second intern with the residence who started. Um, and um, I just took around. Mm-hmm. One of the values of sticking around Absolutely. and telling people what you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's it. Um, I, I was an intern. I would go back for every event or, or um, open studio that they had. And, you know, it's not really open to public for people to go. So right. I would, every time there was an opportunity, I would, I would be there. Or um, I was also a freelance with them, inde- independent contractor, a freelance. Sure, sure. For different projects. Um, I would go in for a few days to help a chef someday or with, with housekeeping. And I would like whatever before you call anybody That's else. That's how call I got me. this job here. Really? I, I took an internship and just kept saying yes to everything. That's Layla. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you do there? What is your what is your role now? Yes, my title is officially officially the residency assistant. Mm-hmm. But um we 
we've talked about this actually within ourselves that, you know, like a CISA is someone that helps someone specifically, but I'm there um, to help everybody mm -hmm. with almost anything. Um, the artists specifically, when the art artists are there, of course, I have, I'm, I'm available making sure everybody's good, need any extra hands, help them with their artistic, pushing their visions uh, as much as I can. I mean, they have something they want to make and yeah, the yeah, extra yeah. push, which is really... It's the best environment to be, actually, for it's me. It's got to be so exciting to be around. I mean, I got to spend a day out there yeah. a few years ago to take pictures yes. of the artists. And to be around artists who are all being put into a position where they can just dream up something and then there are resources there that will help make it happen. Yes. That's such a rare thing, and especially yeah. to be in such a beautiful place at the same time. Yeah. It's like magical. Yeah, it is magical, and we hear that word every day. And um, it's a very humble position for me, too. Um, I just like being in that, in a place of helping mm -hmm. and um, trying to help, actually, because not kind of like, I know and I can't know. And I, I sometimes I joke with them, kind of joke or serious, like, I don't even know why they hired me. I don't know shit. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> but it's, it's, more, it's more than that. And I, I really feel that... I'm where I need to be and needed and respected and appreciated and how anyone should feel, whatever they are. Yeah. No, they, give, they give that to me. Yeah. Absolutely. I feel the same way about being here. It's yeah. pretty, pretty, pretty lucky, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about live music before we move on to your third song. Um, okay. Have you seen much live music over the years? Do you have a concert experience that you will always think back to as one that really marked you for some reason, whether it be here or when you were still in Iran? Yes, I have. I've been all over. I, I will say if I die with my playlist in my hand and someone wants to guess who this person is, they can't because my music interest is really all over the place from salsa and merengue, Colombian and, you know. Mm -hmm. So I have been to a variety of different concerts from Latin to traditional to uh, I, I saw uh, the Breeders last week mm. uh, in Tampa. I didn't know them. I went with a friend. I went with Dave. I banned Oh, okay, yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah. right. Um, and um, I'm saying Madonna. I love Madonna. Oh, wow. I would die. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, ah. <laughs> I saw Leonard Cohen and I sang along with him every single song. That was like a dream come How true. How long ago was that? That was a few years ago, right before he died oh. um, in Tampa. Yeah. And um, so, no, I like, I, I really appreciate music and I enjoy it. Huh. I like to stare at the drummer. Oh, like, really? Yeah. Yeah. Is that, why, why is that? I don't know. There's something about the drummer. I just, it's not the drummer, the person, but it's like what's happening and the beating and the tuning and all that. And I play drums a little bit, and I think that's my favorite instrument, but I just don't have the space and the yeah. quiet that I need. But well, I will note that you were very on time when we had you count to three. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed you were in particular, you had a drummer's uh, sense of time. Um, uh, uh, did you ever make mixtapes? Was that a thing? Oh my God, yes. I grew up with mixtapes. Well, what kind of mixtapes would you have been making then? Like what would have been on your mixtapes? Whoa, I... To... Growing up, we used to make mixed tapes for, for friends, for birthdays, um, wow, for parties. There were no DJs. We had it up. We like to dance. Iranians love to dance. It's yeah. like a sang, a sang. Everybody's like, man and woman, you get up. And I like dance music that will make you just want to move mm -hmm. and to sing along. So we have stuff like that. Let me give you the examples. Like, okay, um, Thrill Kill Cult. Mm -mm. I don't know them. Oh, that was almost my last song, but then I'm like, Thrill, no. Kill, Cult. Yeah, uh, a, a Day in Life, the, the Daisy Chain, something like that is the title. It's called, but it's like, yeah. It, that will be very revealing if I tell you <laughs> what music I really <laughs> Well, that's what we're here I for. I know, I know. <laughs> um, yeah, so my turning point music, life-changing, was a movie that I watched. Okay. Okay. So one night I'm flipping channels and I just had moved to Florida. I was at my mom's house. I remember it's late and I'm just like, uh, like, damn. I'm, I'm trying to imagine what this could be. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> nice. Yeah. All right. Then there's a movie playing. I don't know the name. So I'm just watching. Then I'm like, oh, like, like, oh, these are, I'm not familiar with what I'm feeling. Like, I'm like, why do I like this? You know, like, starts, and the movie was, it's, call, it's called Secretary. 
I don't know that one. Yes. I know it line by line. Richard's smiling. Yes! Yeah. <laughs> Sacred to not die for that. And Leonard Cohen's song was a soundtrack. Oh. And then she is in chains and she's walking with this restriction. And is this. So it's got Maggie Gyllenhaal yeah. and, and James Spader. Oh. Yes, Maggie Gyllenhaal. Yes, yes, James Spader. Fan right? of them. And we yeah, are. yeah. Anyways, that was, and I didn't know what it was, and I know just something happened to me, right? I moved here. I have a, my best friend at the time, Jessica Persanti. We we were real estate business partners. We met in real estate school, and we used to spend like a room like this, a small office, all day just listening to music. We didn't want to work. Uh, we would just do bare minimum. Like, okay, this done. What do you have to do? Phone calls. Yes. Okay, let's just listen. So she introduced me to a lot of goth and punk and bondage and all these things. She would tell me. I lived that life just listening to her. Right. Never been later. I have, but like, just I'm like, whoa. Like we know we'd have been buddies and best friends and going to these clubs and. Um, so, I'm your man was the song that did that with me, and then. The Nick Cave version of it, I mm-hmm. even like it better. It just touches my guts and my knees. And I actually took a queer theory class okay. at FGCU with Dr. Billy Huff okay. and John Brady. And because I, I think I was very curious in a lot of things and just not knowing what's happening to me. And I would just like break out and do things and behaviors that I wasn't familiar like. Yeah, maybe not no likes here, but um, then <laughs> I know that that movie triggered some stuff that I really became interested in exploring things. And then queer theory was another life-changing experience. Then I TA'd that class. Oh, yeah? And um, yeah, and then I, was, then I became okay with a lot of things, you know, just... Because I would question myself, like, why, why? That's wrong, that's wrong. In my culture, everything was about, you do this, you don't do that. If you say this, people yeah, would think that. Yeah, you were having to navigate reality on a whole different Maneuver level. and be everybody, like, people from outside was like, oh, like, Layla is such a good girl. Well, yes, I am. You know, that doesn't define you. But goody, goody, do this thing. Everything is proper. And everything else would be bad. No, 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 no. So I would even say no to what I wanted to do myself. And I think actually moving to Fort Myers, that's why Fort Myers is home to me, is Hmm. I really found myself because I didn't have to worry about anybody know me, passing a judgment. I don't care what you think of me. And I'm just going to – I came out. Yes. As yourself. As myself, yeah. (laughs) As – was that while you were at at Edison? No, that started way before that. that. Oh, yeah. That was like – Real estate school, meeting Jessica, talking about the movie. That's so how long before that pivot until you left real estate behind? No, I did real estate for nine years. So many more years of real estate. Yes. But you were, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nine years, ten years. And and I would, I'm very interested in like getting to know myself. And I think that's all I have to do in this life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, did you leave real estate because of the downturn in real estate? No, I did very well. I was award-winning real estate agent two years during the downturn. It's so interesting for me to imagine you. I don't. I, it's such a past life, I know. Yeah. But no, no, no. I was very good at it because I care for people. I love people. I'll help. And people see that. So I had my – no, it was good. Okay, one of my last years, the last maybe the year before the last, I closed on 26 houses hmm. during the worst times. Um, no, it was bad to pick up, but it was still bad. And what I made, my brother was like, Leila, either get the heck out of that business or move, do it somewhere else. And actually, that's it. And I'm like, you know what? I'm done with this. I need a break. It was really stressful as far as not having time for myself. Yeah. Like now I have a nine to five job. It's amazing. And then I come home. I have time to myself. I have my weekends. But I had no nights and weekends in real sure. estate. Sure. Yeah, yeah. But and I appreciate those who do it. But it was just set for me. Hmm. So um, let's move on to your third song. You've already kind of alluded to it. Was this yeah. song on that movie's soundtrack? No. Leonard Cohen's version was on that oh, song. Oh, but, but it was it was his version. So yes. we're going to hear the Nick Cave you version. You're going to hear the Nick Cave version, Okay, yes. okay. And it, it's uh, what is it again? Let me find it's it. called I'm Your Man by Leonard Cohen, sang by Nick Cave. All right, here it is. 
If you want a lover, I'll do anything you ask me to. And if you want another kind of love, I'll wear a mask for you. If you want a partner, take my hand. Or if you want to strike me down in anger, here I stand. I'm your man. If you want a father for your child. Or only wanna walk with me a while across the sand. I'm your man. If you wanna love him, I'll do anything. So, what was it about that song and/or the songs in that movie that stirred that up in you? Do you think? Whoa. <laughs> um. I think ah, this is a great question. It's a the million dollar question. Well, that's what we're here for. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, if you see the movie, then you're gonna understand much more why the song, the soundtrack, goes so well with it. It becomes about being quirky mm-hmm. and being accepted for all your quirks mm-hmm. and. You meet other person, you meet other quirky people. Mm-hmm. It's not the same thing, but you know they have a thing. Right. You know? Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, that's their thing. Oh, trust me, I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure, yeah. But it's about celebrating that. Yeah, yeah. And even if you know it's becoming vicious, malicious, you know, whatever, that you can get through it and know trusting that they, I don't know. It gets so complicated psychologically. Mm-hmm. And I think each person just, they have to figure out. But... For me, it gave me this freedom. Like, can it give me permission, you know? Those, this art that gives us permission sometimes because this is something done. Someone did something and becomes liberating. It became a liberating point for me to be like, oh, cool, I'm okay, I'm weird. Like, people I, I say it to me sometimes in my business. They're like, you know, you're, people think you're a freak. I'm like, um... That wouldn't offend me, you know? Right, right. And that's, I think, because I have the mentality and understanding of, like, it's being about being different. It's not being, you know, uh, yeah. Were you making art during the time that, that you're describing now? Yes. Did I've it, always did been it, making art. Did it change in any way oh, once you went yes. through that? And so the, let's, let's, let's walk into you now as oh, the artist okay. who you are. That's what happened. You're right. Very good, yes. Thank you. I started, <laughs> yeah, exposing. I was guessing, but here we go. <laughs> I, was, I started exposing myself in so many levels. Uh-huh. That's it, yes. Thank you very much. That was a good aha moment for me. <laughs> I know it was a major point and all that, but yeah, like shame to go away. I, if you say what you hate most is shame. Nobody can shame me. And I, case, like, I say this, like you cannot shame me for anything, no matter what I do. It could be shamed. But I'm not going to take it as a shame. We gotcha. So, and I think I became like pushing my limits little by little. So, oh, let's see if this flies. Unconsciously. Unconsciously. Not saying, oh, I'm going to paint myself naked with a strap on and a dildo. And then I'm like, it's not to shock. And that's the question sometimes people tell me, like, Leila, you specifically make art to shock people. I'm like, no. I, it's about me. It's always about me. And that's the selfish part of making art. I don't make art for an audience. I make it for myself. Then I share it. So, like, I would do this nude. I did a lot of nudes, a lot of revealing. Then I'm like, okay, I'm done with this. You know? Then I'm like, oh, then I start exposing my thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, like when I did something, I'm, 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 I think I'm a great person, but I do bad things too, okay? We are like like thoughts that come, they're very, they could get very vicious uh, thoughts, and I think thoughts is like wind, they come and go, it's just doors that I can open and close to them. Mm-hmm. So I would have those moments, I know, okay, I need to release it, and I know it's gonna be released, or like 
leak out of me or something. So then I would embrace that. And like, okay, I had this poopy accident, <laughs> accident, incident, you know, and then I'll, I'll um, so it becomes even not being ashamed of the worst thing that, things that I've done. Hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, let's just talk for a little bit about your experience at Edison, because you mentioned Dana Rose, yes. and I know Dana sort of, I've met her over the years, I know people she knows. Can you just talk a little bit about how that experience was a turning point for you? Because you definitely, you mentioned it in your bio. It yes, must be I did. important. It was very, very, very important. She's the goddess of my art world. Hmm. She's the one who changed my life. And she knows it. I say it. And I always stay close. Everything I do, I run it. I, I, I need her approval. Hmm. I don't need anybody's approval. <laughs> but in a different sense, you know. Uh-huh. So um, I took a theater class. I went back to Edison. I'm like, okay, the only thing I could get myself in was a theater class just for it, Stuart Brown. And then to Stuart, I started talking to Stuart about, oh, I'm an artist, visual artist, and this and that. I'm here just because it was opening, but I'm, I'm interested. And I said, would you look at my work, see what you think? And I need some guidance because that was just me, never being in an academic environment, really. Right. Um, and I'm like, I want to see, like, where I could start or something. He said, you know what, Leila, I'll introduce you to Dana Rose, and she'll take it from there. He did. She saw my work. She said, come take my drawing class. I'm like, oh, I've done like four or five drawings. Like, no, no, this is different. Just just come. I'm like, okay. It was different. She would tie her hands and put music and for four hours, uh, like say, make your sound uh, CD, your music CD, and mm-hmm. she would tie hands and cl- close the doors and you and your three, um, three colors and just paint. So I made like this six by nine. She does that to her abstract painting. So I... These were the things, and the way, like, I remember one of the first paintings that we critiqued, I looked at them like, Psh, what the heck is this, you know? <laughs> and then when she laid her eyes on it and started talking about it, it was a different level of looking at something. Like, it was such an angle that I would have never been there. I, I was never there or never get there. <laughs> um, my grammar is getting messed up. So, um yeah, things like that. And then, um, like, she would give assignments like like a self-destruction or boundaries or confined space. You paint to that. Hmm. And that's when I, and I, think things, I take things really seriously. So I would just get into, like, exploring, exploring, exploring. And actually, the first painting that I brought was a six-feet <laughs> painting of myself, red with a with a strap on, mm-hmm. and um, she, I was looking at her because I'm like, whoa, maybe I went too far. Maybe, you know, I was nervous, and she looked at it, and she was like, wow, like the eyes. The whole thing, she would go to her eyes, they're piercing, and they're like, da, 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 da. and then we start talking about it, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, she, she gets me. And as I started painting, she would, she would say that I just get you and I see you and I see myself in you and that's such an honor to hear something like that from her because I'm going to the same thing it's like okay put your red away now because I was making big red like you know what you guys like oh I was making big white like put this away so and it's hard for me to look at a piece of work or make something and don't have her Hmm. eyes looking and trying to get away from it yeah yeah you know are you working on are, are any, any big projects now that you're working toward? Because I know you, over the years you've done different kinds of some performance yes, stuff, am. some gallery stuff. I am, I am. I recently made one short video submitted for a show, didn't get in, so I'm going to release it somewhere around here. It was a, a love story that I wrote to my son. I, had a, I didn't mm. write it, actually. A friend of mine in Iran, she's a, my high school friend, actually my, my high school friend. She's a published author now, Golrokh Bayat. And I asked her to write a love, letter, mother, a love letter mother to child. She wrote it, and I videoed Sapphire with my, uh, with my friend artist Mila Bridger. So we, mm-hmm. so we took a two-minute video of Sapphire's face just looking. My son is Sapphire. Just looking at the... Sapphire? Sapphire. Uh, Sapphire, okay. Yeah. So he's looking out the camera, and just like he's blushing, and he just doesn't say anything. And I'm reading. I have my voice over that. Um, I, I, my work becomes a lot about talking, communication, saying, and all that. And also, I'm working on a film. Hopefully, Steve Chase and I have been okay. working on a film. Um, it's not moving fast, but it's moving. Uh, we invited Jim Brock to come in and please give us a push, and he gave me. A, he wrote a poem for us. So now Steve and I have a fa- the favorite part, and 
we're working on on that filming the inside of my mouth huh. and we, <laughs> yeah <laughs> um uh, uh, we're about out of time so i, I just I want to ask you a couple more questions okay. here in the musical world um singing are you a singer do you karaoke i do not karaoke at all I'm not a singer, but I'm taking voice lessons just to sing for myself again. But I'll sing for others. I would like to bring it in my performances, but not as like, oh, she sings so good. No, this is Layla. Well, it sounds like you have already stepped over the big hurdle that most people have with singing, and that's caring what other people think. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would sing. You know what I mean? A lot of people won't sing because they can't get over that imagining what the other person must be thinking. Yeah, because I don't have that in And you don't yeah, have that. Yeah, so yeah. that's the, that's the you're yeah, yeah, way that. down the road for the yeah, singer. Yeah, because I'm not going to put myself, say, yeah, you're a singer, you've been singing for years, I'm going to come and say I'm a singer. No. Right, right, I'm right. I'm going to explore. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite musicians is a guy named Dan Byrne, and he has, I saw him live once, and he said, you know, it doesn't matter how you sing, it just matters that you sing. And I thought, yes, oh, that's it yeah. right um, Okay, so uh, when was the last time you bought music? that had a physical form like a CD or an LP or something like that? Okay, yeah, CD in Tehran. When I go there, I buy CDs, uh, the same traditional musics and stuff that when I like. When would that have been? When was the last time was, you would have been there? Yeah, I was there uh, not this summer, summer before, 2000. What does that make it, 17? 17, 2000, yeah, 2017. Yeah, I was in 2017, and I bought... But I haven't played them. I just get them to have them. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, but like I listen. Mementos. Yeah, just to have them. But I have. I listen on Spotify and. What is, your go- what is your go-to? Do you have like a Pandora channel that you listen to? You use Spotify. I mostly? like Spotify. Rec- uh, it's past years, so I think it's more Spotify because I have. Uh, yeah, it, I like what it uh, exposes me to. Mm-hmm. Um, Pandora too, but it just. It's handier for me. Is yeah. there a band that you've discovered fairly recently that you like that you would want to give a shout out to? A band that I have recently? Maybe not. No, I'm like <laughs> it's becoming painful. Then no. <laughs> um, uh, if you could only have one album again to listen to, what would it be? Oh, one album to listen to. There is an album. By Deepak Chopra. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's called A Gift of Love. And Rumi poems um, read or sang by multiple artists. Madonna does a little, uh, Susan Dehim does a little, David Gilmour does. So it's just this little tiny clip of Rumi. Wow, so it's Rumi poems with music underneath them. Yeah, there's music. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I have it and I listen to it, but... I would go over and over. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of the quote. I have this quote. It used to be, you know, Facebook loves, used to let us have a quote. Uh-huh. I don't know. I think it seems like it's gone now. I went and looked know. the other day. I don't see my quote on my page. Uh-huh. But my quote was from Rumi. It said, um, I can't think of it. Uh-huh. I, I want to paraphrase it. But it's um, out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and right doing, there is a field I will meet you there. Ah, I'll meet you there. Yes. Uh, I'm glad. That's it. I actually got it. Um, Okay. Last question. Is there, are are there any songs that you will avoid listening to if you are exposed to them for some reason? Eh, I don't, I'm not a fan of country music. Just kind of gets annoying me. The country (laughs) gets gets to me. But no, like no song that you like makes you think of, have bad memories or anything like that. I'm glad I, I cannot think of any. Good. No. <laughs> um, all right. Well, any final thoughts? Well, this was stressful. <laughs> well, not, yeah, before we end, you, know, you stressed out maybe a little bit more than most of our guests have. What was I your know. process for your whittling of your music? I know why it was stressful because I thought about it. Um, it was a great opportunity for me to scan my life and to not to review, and I'm like, oh, I have a lot of blank spots, and I have then a lot of pain, a lot of memory, a lot of anxiety came with it. <laughs> and but then I'm like, no, this is, I'm just I'm just reviewing these things, and I'm glad where I ended. Cool. Well, thank yeah. you so much for doing it. Thank you. It's been good getting to know you like this. Yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> <All right>. Bye. <laughs> Bye. We make this show at WGCU Public Radio on the campus of Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers, Florida. Richard Chinqui is co-creator and producer. Tara Calligan is the online content producer. Chris Duffus is executive producer. Our theme music was created by Dave, Dave, Dave Cowan and Stick Martin at Monkey House Studio in St. Petersburg, Florida. 
For this week's parting tune, we're turning to Charles in Fort Myers. My song is Come On Ring Those Bells, uh, which is an old song by an artist named Evie. Um, this happened to me, and my story is this happened to me over Christmas, just a few weeks ago. I was in giving our, our youngest son a bath, and my wife and older son came in and said, hey, the parade is coming by. So there's a local church firehouse that um, I, every year they get their trucks and trailers, and they get all their congregation on top of their trucks and their trailers, and they decorate them with lights, and they have Santa and some other things, and they drive around some of the neighborhoods. We go outside to watch, and instantly I'm just taken back to this moment in an Ohio winter because the song is blaring, and I haven't heard it for years. And I just instantly started singing along, and it didn't dawn on me what the song was, but I just had this feeling of our house in the, in the holiday time with all the decorations, and I could see them vividly, like the porcelain decorated Christmas tree that had the little acrylic lights that you would put in and take out, and then just. Uh, the outdoor floodlights on our house and the reeds and uh, everything else just with the song it just instantly took me there uh, and it was really quite a treat it was a great thing and that's my story keep listening next time on three song stories And I'm the kind of guy, that I drive a 25-year-old pickup. Uh-huh. And when the radio died, I stopped at the thrift store and invested $10 in a boombox. Uh-huh. And all, in my opinion, you all the You plug it best... into your cigarette lighter so you don't have to buy batteries? Yes. Good. <laughs>